combined travel checklist of 130 countries. This is me, Heidi. And me, Andrea, ready to whisk you around the world and fill in those gaps in your maps. We'll be checking in with our pals at Worldwide City Guide Specialists in yourpocket.com and lots of other global travel gurus. We'll navigate some quirky and inspirational tourism top fives. And we'll share our travel tales and tips to help inspire your next big adventure. And if you have any travel questions or stories you'd love to share, get in touch by emailing travel at inyourpocket.com or visiting us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Right, well, let's get the journey started with our regular teaser in which one of us clues up a location for the other and all you lovely listeners to Unearth. Yes, it's doors to Manuel as we go. Where in the world? Where in the world? You weren't very enthusiastic about just, that. I'm thinking maybe tone it down, you know, okay. just where, where in the world? This time I have a destination for you to try and guess. Are you ready? Oh, you've, you've it's printed out and everything, Andrea. You're not mucking about this I'm time. I know, I actually have it printed out. Right. So, you have to try and guess this place, and I'm going to give you three clues. Are you going to lift the piece of paper up so that my roving <laughs> eye doesn't find it? Hopefully you can't see the piece see of it. paper. No. Right. I'm not cheating. This is the only country in the world named after a tree. That was clue one. Okay, I th- I've, I'm, th- I'm thinking I know an answer. Oh, no. But I might be wrong. Oh, but I might be right. I don't know. Clue two, one third of the world's monkeys live in this country. <laughs> okay, I don't think I'm right now, so that is really obscure, Andrea. Right, yeah. Keep going. Third and final clue, the main tourist attractions are a statue and a beach. Is a statue of a monkey? Well, it could <laughs> Are be. there monkeys on the it beach? It could be of a monkey. Wow, that I'm not saying I am flummoxed. either way. I am flummoxed. Right. But I'll have a think throughout okay, the that's e- good. E- episode. And, and I'll try not to leave this piece of paper in front of you. <laughs> Turn it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I've just handed it to our producer, Patrick, there. Uh, so oh, what, yeah, a, a shout out to producer Patrick. What we will do is, at the end of the podcast, you can try and guess the answer and we'll see if you're right or not. It's an absolute monkey puzzle. <laughs> Very good. Have you been anywhere nice recently, Andrea? This is a travel podcast after all. Well, since you ask, I actually had a lovely weekend in Donegal, which is in the northwest corner of Ireland. And in actual fact, we went to Malinhead, which is the most northerly point in Ireland. And it's also the start of the Wild Atlantic Way road trip, which we talked about in a previous podcast. Got a fridge magnet, of course. That's one of the main reasons for going anywhere. Well, what's the fridge magnet? Describe it. It, it just says Malinhead, most northerly point in Ireland. Just all Text. Yeah, it is all text. I think I've missed a trick. You go there and it's the most northerly point in Ireland, and there's like a souvenir stall, and there's I think you get a wee tear coffee, and there's like about 150 people there all taking selfies. So it's not the the wild, rugged, isolated place you would imagine. I have been there. Have you? Yes, I have. When you've been and you when you live in Ireland, there's really that's one of the places you have to tick off. But it's a, it reminds me of Land's End because if yes. you've ever been to Land's End, uh, very tacky. Uh, 
uh, and it's all souvenir shops and you know you want to see the ruggedness yeah. and, and, the, and the remoteness and all its wild lovely glory and then you, you always you always come across a souvenir shop and I don't deny these people their right to make profit from their geographical location but yes it's very cold and blustery isn't it? Yeah it was kind of a good weekend though it was sort of quite misty so you couldn't really see far into the sea but I do love a souvenir shop and to be honest if there hadn't been a fridge magnet there I would have been very disappointed. Well when you said you were there I was going to ask have you starred in Star Wars The Last Jedi because apparently they filmed in Malinhead and Luke Skywalker the actor Mark Hamill hopped into a bar called Farron's Bar which is the most northerly bar in Ireland where you can have the most northerly pint (laughs) in Ireland as did we we went there too. Uh, Sounds fabulous was it a pint of the old Guinness or? I think it was like a non-alcoholic beer for me and a, and a white wine for the husband maybe. I don't know it <laughs> depends quite living, living the high life wasn't Mark Hamilton this reminds me Mark Hamilton he do an Instagram post of a photograph of him in this bar when he was doing the filming of Star Wars part 10 right. or he might have done I yeah, don't know I think he did okay. good on him because yeah. talk about getting a real good tourism up pick yeah. whenever you do that with uh, a major superstar and, <laughs> and Mark Hamill <laughs> <laughs> As our regular listeners will know, every episode we do a top five countdown of something touristy based on a top five what we have found on the internet, mostly, <laughs> mostly on the internet. We didn't make these up. No, we, that's we the point. We didn't do the research. You've we let it. somebody else do the research. Yeah. And we're talking about the well, research. It's a springboard for yeah. our, us okay. to talk about us, basically, and where <laughs> we have been. Uh, but this is an interesting one, if I may say, well, Andrea. Even if you do say so well, yourself. Yeah, I think you'll agree. Uh, money.co.uk has analysed over 26 million Instagram hashtags mm-hmm. to calculate how many posts were shared per metre of sand to come up with a list of the world's most picturesque beaches. So are you, Andrea, ready for the top five? I'm so ready. I've got my flip-flops and my sunglasses on already. She actually doesn't, but uh, we'll, we'll go along with it. <laughs> what Was did it, we say about podcasting? It's theater, the theatre of the mind. Theatre of the mind, darling. But are you getting this? So it's 26 million Instagram hashtags have been dissected on a metre per metre of sand of beaches. That, that just sounds like a nightmare to have. That, that's think, a logistical nightmare. I think there are algorithms yeah, involved. Okay. So the number five is the Navaggio Beach, aka Shipwreck Beach in Zakynthos, Greece. It's 182 metres long and they calculated there are 403 pictures per metre on Instagram. And this was only uh, from June 2021. So this is how they're doing it. Are you getting the, right, are you getting yeah, the idea? Okay. So, so hashtags, it's really based on not how nice the beach really is. It's how popular it is. How photogenic. Really. It is how many photographs have been right. taken and posted on Instagram. People are going to take pictures because they like okay. the view. Um, in 1983, a boat, a little bit of background, uh, a boat smuggling cigarettes into Greece washed up on this Ionian island, and since then, it has widely been considered one of the most beautiful beaches in the country, uh, surrounded by huge cliffs and uh, crystalline waters. Mm. You know the beach of which I speak, Shipwreck Beach. I don't know it. Well, I actually sent you photographs in advance of this chat, Andrea. You, you I mean, did. any chance? And all the all the beaches. Are- a bit the same. People listening will know this because right. it's like one of those classic shots of Greece. Well, let's right. go to number four, shall okay, we? Okay, number four. We're moving to Italy now, Calabria. It's called Trope Beach, uh, 115 metres, 423 pictures per metre. A classic Italian resort, bursting with charm, sits on the Turian Sea uh, and is also called the Costa Degli Dei or Coast of the Gods. Mm. Uh, as you relax on the beach, you're surrounded by dramatic cliffs, more dramatic.
the cliffs yeah. with eyes on the historic town centre which looks over the epic scenery. The photograph does look fantastic again. It's got those azure blue waters, lovely big stretch of sand and then those great big uh, cliffs just right there, right there at the beach. Just right there. It's just, they're just right there. Yeah. They're, they're no attempt to hide. <laughs> Front and centre with those cliffs. Well, five and four have been big cliffs. Maybe that's what makes a photogenic beach. I think they might have cliffs. a nice, there might be a nice viewpoint. Right. Look, looking down so you get nice aerial shots okay. for your photo yeah. op, for your Insta. But then also you're taking a photograph and you've got something on the left. You know that rule of three in photographs, like cliff, sand, sea. Okay. Yeah. Right, well then that's... I haven't been to either of those beaches, to be honest. No. Uh, number three, we've gone to Krabi, Thailand. The Relay, Relay Beach, uh, 450 metres long. I'm going to stop doing the metres okay. and the pictures per. Just assume, people, that's done a lot of Instagram and right. sharing and yes. tagging and stuff. Right. Um, it was a former laid-back fishing village and it's now a world-class tourist destination cut off from the mainland by a row of steep hills and only accessible by boat. This is fabulous and it's got the fisherman's boat, the traditional Thailand fisherman's boat. The beach itself is that lovely sort of talcum powdery beach mm. and it's got a huge great big like island sort of rock jutting out from the water. Thailand and beaches in Thailand, I mean they're all fabulous but this one gets in at number three at uh, Krabi in Thailand. Have you been? I haven't. I have been to Thailand and we've been in some lovely beaches and in fact once I can't remember where it was, but we got a boat to a beach, but I don't think it was that one. And there was loads and loads of monkeys. I'm uh, not more <laughs> Bit of a theme. Is it the where in the world destination or not? And the monkeys were just stealing everybody's food and drinking like eating their crisps and coke cheeky. and stuff like that. Yeah. Cheeky monkeys. Well, of course. There were cheeky monkeys. Cheeky monkeys. Cheeky monkeys. Of course, the beach. The, 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 book, the beach. And the, the, beach. the film. Yes. Uh, and the and song. Take me to the beach. Yeah. My beach. And then it ruined that beach. Yeah. The tourists flocked to yeah. go pee pee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't been there. I've been to Koh Samui and it's equally, it's very touristy and they have those um, full moon parties yes. and what have you. Yeah. The, the problem is I don't really like beaches because I've got very fair Irish skin and burn easily. So I wouldn't mm. be, I love to go down, take a photograph, paddle in the water, but then I wouldn't be a beach person. It's the sand that gets yeah. everywhere. Shall we go to number two? Please do. This is one you've been to, at Bondi Beach. Oh, old Bondi Beach. Sydney, Australia. Rocking in at number two, obviously one of Australia's biggest attraction, crescent-shaped sand and uh, conveniently positioned just 7k from Sydney, CBD. I have been to Sydney and I didn't go to Bondi Beach. Why not? What's that all about? Why not? What did I miss? What what were you doing instead? Not going to Bondi Beach, it seems. Well, what I, I did go and it's... I thought, I thought it was a lot smaller than I expected. Did you hear about Bondi Beach? Probably like one of the most famous beaches in the world. And I just expected it to be enormous. And I kind of got here and I was like, eh, it's very, it's a lot smaller than I thought. There wasn't so much beach as I thought there would be. Maybe it's been overexposed yeah. in tourism terms and everyone talking it up. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that. I think it was like talked it up. Obviously, if you're a surfer or you're doing anything in the water or you live in Sydney and you want to go sunbathing, that's all great. But I did think it wasn't, It was. I just remember thinking this is a lot smaller than I thought. And that was probably about 12, 13 years ago. And then I went back in December twenty. 19 and it had become very gentrified as well or has there just been like little sort of 
beach shack shops where you could maybe get a burger or something that had become very posh and it was cocktail bars and things like they that. They monetized so, it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It's lost its charm. For some people then that would be better, but yeah, so we'd need to find out what the locals think of it. Do the locals think that it's lost its charm? Bondi Beach is so iconic. You yeah. will take a photograph of it if you yes. are, are on Bondi Beach. No matter what it looks like, it almost sort of, it's it's bigger than itself. Yeah. The name is bigger than the, well, the reality apparently according to well, you. Well, that's Andrew. what I thought anyway, but it's a good day out. Um, uh, and at number one, we are in Bali, and it's the Kelling King Beach in Nusa Penida or Penida in Bali, crowned the most beautiful beach in the world, according to this uh, money.co.uk top five. It has famous cliffs. Oh, of uh, but course. This, in the shape of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Wow. Uh, and an amazing backdrop of bright blue sea and greenery from the tropical plants. And Andrea, look at the picture of it. Now, it does look epic. It's sort of a jutty out bit of land, cliffs with greenery on top of the cliffs. And then in the little sort of uh, nooks of the cliffs is are the white yes. sand crescents and then the blue sea. I'm not seeing a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but that no, often happens either. when people say, can you see the face of Napoleon in this rock and I'm like, I can't really. No. No, I don't see it, but it does look, yeah, really beautiful. So I think we've discovered that in order to be ranked amongst the most beautiful beaches in the world, you need cliffs. Cliffs help. Tick cliffs, yeah. Um, clear crystalline waters. Keep it blue. And maybe an interesting rock formation. Back to the cliffs yeah, almost. Yes, cliffs, cliffs and rocks, right. generally speaking. Yeah, so next time you're on a beach, make sure you've got that. Was it your thing of three? Rule of three. Rule of three and for the photographs. Uh, you could be featuring in this list um, in a year's time. <laughs> It's that time in the podcast where we chill out in our departure lounge, awaiting our next flight to who knows where. And lo, who should be here but Larice Tate's publisher of Johannesburg in Your Pocket. Hello, Larice. Hello there. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, what a coincidence to have you in the VIP, VIP, can I say, departure lounge. And while you're here, let's find out a bit more about Johannesburg as a tourist destination, what's happening in the city now. And first of all, I suppose just how big is tourism in Joburg and South Africa? Tourism in South Africa, I think uh, the country in general pre-COVID was getting around, I think it's around 14 million tourists a year. Um, And Johannesburg gets around 4 million arrivals, but they mostly leave as quickly as they possibly can, which is because of the city has for many years endured a very poor reputation. But in another way, the city is so rich with different attractions, with an incredible history. It's a, it actually, the city turned 135 this year. I mean, it's a city that's started off as a mining town and really a mining camp you know attracted people from all over the world who wanted to get rich here and it still does that to some extent so it's also a very diverse and cosmopolitan city and it's from fashion to street art to amazing cuisine there's so much to choose from but there's a lot that international audiences don't really see. Larice, in your experience what sort of people tend to go to Johannesburg on holiday what sort of visitors are you getting there? Well I think it's I think the city's actually attracted over over many years it's actually been quite a business tourism destination. So a lot of people will come here for a conference and they then they're probably thinking, why the hell do I have to go to Johannesburg? But <laughs> oh. if they do get an opportunity to explore and they meet the right local, they're going to leave here saying, I want to come back. 
As a Johannesburg expert, what do you think are the top three things visitors should definitely have on their to-do list? I think, I mean, for me, I would choose and say, okay, what would I want them to see? I would say Constitution Hill, which is um, where the country's, it sounds as a strange destination where the country's constitutional court is located. But it was mm-hmm. formerly a prison and it housed um, Nelson Mandela, among other people. In wow. fact, Gandhi was even incarcerated there at some point. Wow. And today it's sort of the proud reminder of the fact that in 1994 we became a democracy and the rights, you know, we've got one of the most progressive constitutions in the world. It's also got an incredible art collection in the court and the court building. Um, when, they put the, when they were designing the court building, they put together an art collection that reflected, was all around democracy and justice. Um, so I would say that's a must-see. Yeah. The second thing I would say is um, we're a tree city. We're one of the most treed cities in the world. And if you don't go, you almost need to approach Johannesburg at a heart. Um, there are quite a few interesting viewpoints, including the Four Seasons Hotel, which is located on a ridge in Johannesburg. And that view over the city is the most surprising because when you're at street level, it can feel quite gritty. And as soon as you go up above, you just actually in summer, everything gets covered by the trees. Um, And now that it's spring, we have jacaranda season, which is actually an alien species that arrived here from somewhere else, (laughs) but long ago took over our street. Where did it come from? What are they? Is it a flower or a plant or what? I want to know where it it comes from, Andrea, first (laughs) off. It's obviously, it's a tree, it's a tree. It flowers in, in, in winter, it looks like a dead tree. Um, in spring, it flowers with the most incredible lilac blooms. And oh, the nice. whole sort of streets fill with lilac and then they drop onto the street. And as you drive over them, they actually like pop almost. And the streets get filled with them. And every year, as Johannesburg in your pocket, we actually have a jack it's called hashtag jacaranda in your pocket it's a competition you can find it all the pictures um on instagram did you get to your third attraction larissa i've run out of, i i'm, no, I'm so be- bedazzled by jacarandas i'm like is there a third because i'm thinking is soweto coming say, up i mean third attraction i would actually have to split between an experience of soweto which is just so much about what our how our history has been shaped yeah absolutely struggle history of this country but soweto also has this amazing contemporary culture that sort of fused from music to a kind of um to the sort of street food to fashion there's such a mix of things happening sadly a lot of tourists go there and all they want to see is the history but actually the mix of those two for me is the most powerful of sort of where we come from and where we are right now um, and I would say it would be it, it would be Soweto on the one hand and then the inner city on the other. And the inner city's probably also got the, that's got the worst reputation. And yet that is the, there's so much creativity in the inner city. There's amazing urban sort of neighborhoods that have come up, fantastic street art, which is a major source of, um, there are a lot of tours in the city that specifically look at street art. I mean, they do say that out of out of strife and out of conflict comes creativity. And we're both from Belfast, myself and Andrea, and we can testify to that in many ways. Uh, do you see a sort of parallel happening in Joburg? Without doubt. I think, I mean, you know what, Joburg is known. So there's, Joburg's got a lot of names. People call it Josie. People call it... Uh, they call it Joburg instead of Johannesburg. It's funny, it's a city that doesn't actually, like the official name doesn't count for a lot. But the other thing that people call it is Joe Hasselberg. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> this, 
This is a city of hustlers. It's uh-huh. like people wake up and they just start new things and they try new things and they pop up and do something exciting and creative. So it's almost like the city just keeps reinventing itself as well. Larice, what would you say to anyone who is worried about the safety aspect of visiting Johannesburg, who might feel trepidation maybe about going there? I mean, I think, I mean, one of the things you need to sort of understand about Johannesburg and South Africa in general, and in Johannesburg it's much more magnified because we are the sort of biggest metropolis, is that there is an enormous gap you know, between sort of wealthy and poor. And that's something that is very much a part of our society and that we we, sort of everybody, there's an awareness of that wherever you go, that we actually, you know, there's such extreme sides of the spectrum all in one space. And that creates its own sort of dynamic. The big thing is to, to... to plan a trip where you can be with people who know, who are local. I think it's it's one of those places where you'll get a lot more out of it if you are hang around with locals. How do you make that happen, Larissa, if you don't know anyone local? Are there are there people that you can engage with? Are there, you know, organizations or tour groups that can allow that to happen? Well, Molly, yeah, I mean, and that's interesting. If you spent a Saturday in Soweto and someone local took you there, say it was even a tour guide, you'll end up on someone's on someone's patio yeah. having a beer. And there's some fantastic tours. And a lot of the, the approach is very immersive. There's obviously the more commercial stuff, but there's a level at which you can really immerse yourself in local culture be among locals i have been to south africa it was back in the late 90s so i appreciate it has changed a lot since then but you know you're up against cape town which i also visited and it presumably gets the lion's share pun intended of uh, city travelers and south african visitors yeah i think you know what cape town's very european like in in as a city it's got a you'll feel like a europe someone coming from europe will feel much more at home mm-hmm. um I think also, I mean, a friend of mine said it years ago, and I always repeat it. He said, like, if Cape Town and Johannesburg were on a dating website, Cape Town would be the really pretty one, you know, in a bikini and blonde. <laughs> and Johannesburg would be the one with great personality. <laughs> you yeah. really miss out. I well, think Johannesburg is so authentic as an African city and is probably the most diverse African city on a continent of 54 countries, which makes it a you know a real standout. And, you know, just to say um, on that, whenever I was in Cape Town, I got a train back to Joburg to get my flight home, but I had like another day free and I thought, what am I going to do? And you're talking about immersing yourself in with locals and, and being, you know, being open minded about meeting other people. And on the train, I was in a compartment with five other women um, and one of them ended up taking she was in the ANC and she and she took me back to her house and she said you're coming with me you're going to have a curry but she thought this was great <laughs> for me and I thought you know what I'm just going to do it. I feel inherently safe maybe I was foolish but it all worked out beautifully and the next day she gave me a lift to the airport wow. now that's an experience I didn't have uh, planned in advance but it worked out well oh, it, it was amazing and she was driving me through the centre of Joburg which at the time was regarded as quite a dangerous city to drive through and but there she was and, and people some people knew her because she was a, a polit- local politician it was great and then some people might go well, what did you do that for and I thought you know you just get an instinct but 
maybe maybe mm. not to be not to be encouraged generally but it worked out for me but is there a souvenir a foodie souvenir that people really should break bring home with them i think chili sauce is probably oh, really? one of the most prolific things that there are so many different brands and varieties people like to add heat to their food in the city if you know the nando's brand that's mm-hmm. from south africa that's it's from south africa Nando's is South Africa, very no. proud South Africa. <laughs> I thought it was no Portuguese. Idea. And in fact, it's a proud Johannesburg brand. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about a learning experience. This podcast just is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> no, but to be fair, that is the best thing we've learned so far. <laughs> Possibly the only thing. But, Larice, you mentioned, I mean, we know your Joburg in your pocket and you mentioned your Instagram tag, but where can people find out all about Joburg? And I know you do fantastic newsletters as well, so how can they sort of connect up with that? Well, uh, the link is actually on our Instagram account, so you go to Johannesburg in your pocket. And then our website, obviously, Johannesburg, I would heartily encourage everyone to check out your Instagram account at, at the very least for the Jacaranda competition because it is wow. a, be- a sight to behold and if you can't get there you may as well see it in 2D but listen I think I can hear is that your gate being called? Yes. Listen thank you for taking the time in our departure lounge to whisk us off to Joburg and have a nice flight Bye Bye, Heidi, do you remember earlier I gave you three clues and asked you to guess the location of where I was in the world? I remember monkeys. There were monkeys. Monkeys were mentioned. And a tree. A tree. Do you? Oh, don't know. Something named after a tree. Okay, yeah, that's true. I've forgotten my own questions. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So do you have something in mind? I'm going to redo the questions Redo them. Okay. And I'm not going to let you see the piece of paper. No. We are holding it up with the light shining through it, but I am not looking. Can you read through paper and backwards? Yes. Yes, I could. Uh, First clue was, it is the only country in the world named after a tree. Well, at this point, I thought Cyprus because it's a Cyprus (gasps) tree. Very good. But they're not spelt the same way. Right. That was a good guess. That was a very good guess. But you're right, they're not spelt the same way. The tree and the country are spelt differently. Well, the second clue was, one third of the world's monkeys live in this country. See, and I, I was completely bamboozled because I knew that then it wasn't Cyprus because it's not spelt the same way. Right. Uh, but then every time I think of monkeys, apart from the monkey references throughout the, this episode, it always reminds me of Gibraltar, but it's not uh. named after a tree. And is it a country <laughs> in its own right? Well, we'll not get into the geopolitical no. arguments over Gibraltar right now. Okay. And the third clue was, I think this is sort of quite easy. Main tourist attractions are stats show and a beach and we've been talking about oh, beaches I'm got right yeah you said it was a you've made it you said I think this is easy and you've been to this place so is it Rio de Janeiro well it's the country oh it's Brazil it's then Brazil. Oh, Brazil nuts from the tree Brazil is a shortened form of the term Terra do Brazil land of Brazil which is a reference to the Brazil wood tree uh-huh. so the tree is called Brazil wood and that's how Brazil got its name it's main tourist attractions are a beach, 
Copacabana Beach. That's right. And a statue, Christ the Redeemer statue. Same, same guy, yes. He could get a good photograph of that beach from his dizzy height. I also, when I saw that in real life, I also thought that was a bit smaller than I was expecting. We it. need to do a top five of things d- that are disappointing, <laughs> disappointing landmarks of the world. Things that you thought would be bigger until you got there. <laughs> and then they're a lot smaller in real life yes, than you think. That's right. And one third of the world's monkeys live in Brazil. Right, well, that's great, and I do believe that's the end of the moving walkway for us today, <laughs> Andrea. Very sad. Our thanks to Larice all the way in Joburg, yeah. South Africa, for sharing all the latest news and tourism tips uh, of her city that she loves so well. And thanks, as always, to the fabulous Northern Irish band 3D Shark for providing our theme tune. And 3D Shark does fit in with this week's beach. Theme oh as yeah, well. yeah, beaches, monkeys, and beaches. And sharks. Have we jumped the shark? 